Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Now, one of the things I want to ask our online audience to do is to get back in the habit of congregating with us online or or in person. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, I know from many of my conversations with you, you guys watch all throughout the week, which is great. We would rather you watch than watch, uh, than not watch at all. Uh, but I would love to see you get in the pattern of finding community even when you watch online uh, and coming and joining us right at the 10 o'clock service uh, so that you can see all the other church members there uh, worshiping and connecting. And you can do that through YouTube, our website, thelife.cc or right there on Facebook, but we are certainly honored to have you guys here with us. And now you saw from the promo uh, uh, someone making a watch, and basically that is built off of what we said last week, that God can change anything about you. All he needs is for you to give him one thing, and that is time in his presence. God can change anything about you. I don't care what it is. God can change anything about you. All he needs is one thing, and that is time in his presence. And I guess I should put it this way or phrase it this way. All he needs is for you to give him one thing, and that is time in his presence. And it seems as if, and maybe I'm just speaking on behalf of my generation, it seems as if for my generation that one of the hardest things for us to give God in this season is time. Uh, That we have fallen in love with distraction. And that, that sounds even hard to say, but it's true. I think many of us have fallen in love with distraction. In fact, the latest report that I read said this, uh, that the average American spends 10 hours a day on media. 10 hours a day. Now, I tried to do the math. I'm like, okay, if people are sleeping, you know, for six to eight hours and then working, you know, like for, for eight or so hours, where are we finding like 10 hours a day for media? But the average American is. This is enough information coming in and gigabytes coming in per knowledge. It's like over 100,000 words a day we take in that it would crash a laptop computer within a week. And here's the thing about a laptop computer. It does not have a soul. And so it just processes the information. But did you know you're not just processing all that information, that within that information there is anger, and within that information there is violence, and within that information there is fear, and within that information there is depression. Within that information there is jealousy. You ever ever seen something online that made you jealous? I wish I was there. You ever been envious? Within all of this information, that information is a container for an attitude, for a spirit, for, for something spiritual in nature, and always, uh, not always is that good or pleasant, and we're consuming so much of it that it is breaking down our souls. 
It is breaking down our ability to cope. And now we're seeing people more medicated than ever. The suicide rate this year in 2020 skyrocketed up. Like we're seeing all of these types of things take place. Alcoholism going up and drug addiction going up and all of these types of things. And it's because we're taking in so much because we love to be distracted. Anything that will take me out of the present. And it seems that we've fallen in love with distractions so much that now we're giving God less time than ever. And it's like, I'll give God a little bit and then just let him do whatever he wants to do. But God is saying, no, 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 no. I can change anything about you. All I need is for you to give me time. If you will spend time in my presence, I can change anything about you. Now, one of the phrases that we say a lot here at Word of Life is this, learn uh, to not function in dysfunction. And what I, I mean by that is so many times we have dysfunctional families or a body that's dysfunctioning, and instead of striving to see it be made better, we learn to function in dysfunction. And we just give it excuses. Well, no one has a perfect family. Or we give it excuses. Well, no one's body operates in the 100% perfection that God created it in all the time. Like, And, and, and we pull back from, from uh, functioning and learn to function in dysfunction. And when I say God can change anything about you, I believe God can change, get this, anything about you, that there is nothing in your life that our, our great heavenly father cannot change. But he needs you to give him time. And that's what the start of this year is all about. It is you and me finding out how we can give God more Time. Now, our golden text, which is simply the text that we're going to come back to throughout this series, is found in the book of Jeremiah. And so I'm going to invite you to open up that book with me. And if you're watching online, I'd encourage you to get your Bible out uh, and open up to the book of Jeremiah as well. We're looking at Jeremiah chapter 18 in verse number 1. Jeremiah 18 and 1 says this, The word which came uh, from, to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, uh, in verse 2, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. And then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. Now watch this next part. As seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So this is, is kind of what we're hinting at with this season. And when we talk about 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, one of the comments that I saw constantly online is, how can I join in? How can I be a part of 21 days of prayer and fasting? I want to be a part of that. This is what we're getting at. It's nothing elaborate. It's just giving God more time. Uh, so when I think of what, what does prayer and fasting mean? Nothing elaborate. It's just me uh, emptying myself of the natural so that I can fill up of more of the spiritual. When I realize that I am not the artist, 
that I don't have to learn how to draw, that I've got one job, and it's my job to understand I'm simply the canvas. And if the canvas stays in front of the artist, he will paint what he wants to paint. And if the clay stays in the hands of the potter, even if it gets messed up, if it just stays in the hands of the potter, the potter can make the clay anything he wants to make it. And what we're saying in this series is this, is if you can learn the art, and I believe there is an art to it, if you can learn the art of giving God time, you will see God begin to change you from the inside out. I know, and I even sense in my heart right now, that there are people in this room as well as is watching and in the room at Highland Colony, uh, who over the past couple of, of weeks and months have dealt with just a tremendous amount of frustration with yourself. And we encounter a new year in 2021, and here's what we say, I will do better. I will be better. And I want to ask for a show of hands if you did that. <laughs> but we have uh, this, this kind of thinking where it's like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be more disciplined this year. I'm not going to eat sugar, uh, and I'm going to go to the gym. And if it's green, I'm going to eat it. Uh, and if it's, you know, chocolatey, I'm going to stay away from it. And like we set up all of these things that we will and will not do. I will save blank amount of dollars uh, a month, and we will not eat out. As a family, we will not eat out. Uh, and if we compare these I wills to the same I wills we made a year ago and the year before that, chances are many times they're very similar and not overly successful. And what I just really felt like we are to do as a church in this season is to say we must decrease. That this is not an, a worship of I will, this is a worship of Jesus and it is me understanding that I am not the potter. Amen. And maybe you've had this frustration where it's like, Pastor Joel, I have wrestled to try to be free. And the more I try to be free, the more that I am finding myself bound. And what God is saying unto us is just simply this. It is not your job to be the artist. In fact, you don't even know how, how, to, how to draw. Like, just stop. You, you said you draw it, and every time it just messes up. Here's what I want you to do. Understand I'm the artist. Understand I'm the potter, and I just need one thing from you. I need you to be with me. And if you are with me, I can make you anything I need you to be, but I just need you to be with me. And so what we're saying in 21 Days of Prayer is, God, here I, here I am. God, here's my life. I, I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire. Father, here am I. Now, this part, when he's making this vessel, and I'm sure many of you have felt this way before, I know I have, when he's making this vessel into what he wants it to be, it gets messed up in his hands. And, and I think each and every one of us have messed up and have felt like a mess up and at times have wrestled with ourselves. And I just had this so strong in my heart to tell you, don't quit on God. Uh, there was this minister uh, that I listened to regularly and he was talking about years ago, he was traveling with a senior minister uh, who I knew as well and respected very, uh, very highly. And when he would travel with this senior minister, this senior minister, his goal was to build up other ministers. 
And so oftentimes, like to close out a service, he would spontaneously call someone up, another minister he was training, up to finish the sermon. Or he'd be like, why don't you lead a song? And and not tell him what song to sing. And would call him up on the stage to like finish things out. And like take something, uh, you know, take the service father. And so he was always dependent upon these ministers in a good way. Um, would, Would make them over into this place where they had to come ready. Where they had to come prepared. And be ready in season and out of season. Now, you can imagine how nervous you would be today if I just called you randomly out of the audience and was like, hey, you know what? I think I'm done. You finish the message. (laughs) Or if I called you up and be like, hey, why don't you lead a song? Well, what song do you want me to lead? Well, just be led. And like that kind of thing. So it put a tremendous amount of pressure on all these people. And this one particular night, this this guy was there and uh, this minister called him out to end the service. And he said, it was one of those services where I was not ready. Like, I, I did not, like, meditate on the word before I came. I was not in service thinking this is so rich and I believe I have what's next. I was in service thinking about I'm so hungry and what kind of sandwich am I going to make when this is over. Like, these are the thoughts that are racing through his mind. And then he gets called out to, like, end the service. And he got up and it was a dud. Like, nothing worked and it did not click over. And I've had services like that as well. And, and as a minister, man, nothing hurts you more because you love people and you want to do well. And especially when you're doing it for someone else, like someone invites you to preach or ask you to fill in for them, you, you feel that pressure go even, even higher. And I've wrestled with those emotions. And so after the service, he's just so down on himself. And he's just in this moment where he is is dealing with the shame of like what he did. And he knew he didn't come prepared. He knew that he was not ready to give out. And he couldn't sleep. So he got, goes to his hotel room. He's just laying there and he, he's like, I gotta call this elder minister and just repent and tell him I'm sorry and I wasn't ready. And so he picks up the phone, dials the room number, gets the elder minister on the phone. And when the elder minister picks up the phone, he starts talking to him and he just repents. He says, I, I'm so sorry, I messed that up. And, I tried to force it, and I, I didn't have a rhythm, and I didn't come in ready, and all of these other types of things, and he just was expressing his regret, and he said the elder minister just, just spoke this to him as soon as the other guy got quiet enough. He said, just don't quit me. Just don't quit me. And he said when he said that, something in him broke. And he just began weeping. But he found grace in his sight. And that the, the thought in the elder minister's mind was not, oh, he messed up. And oh, he's so flawed. It's like, I hope that he doesn't have so much shame that he doesn't show up the next time. I hope that he doesn't have so much fear of messing up now that he doesn't find himself getting up there the next time. I hope he does not quit. I hope he does not back down. Just don't quit me. And I feel like that's a word of the Lord for so many of you today is that God is saying to you, look, I know you may have messed up and I know in your mind you're wondering what I think about you and here's what I think about you. Every single one of my children have messed up. Just don't quit me. Come back to church. If you break the fast, get back on the fast. Just don't quit God. 
Because even if it's marred or messed up in the potter's hand, if it gives the potter time, the potter will make it like it never messed up before. Come on, word of life. Let's give God praise, right? All God needs is for me to give him time. And Satan will do anything to get you off the potter's will. And if he can't use a distraction out here to get you off the will, he'll use a distraction in here to get you off the will. But if you stay on the potter's will, the potter will make you who he's called you to be. Have any of you ever been surprised by your soul, like surprised at how emotional something made you? Uh, I like, uh, have any of you, some of you have your children here with you, I could ask them, have you ever been surprised at how angry your mom got over something? Like, and they were just like, wow, like I, some anger I got, but I didn't understand why she got so emotional over that. Uh, have you ever like uh, found yourself like crying in a movie and you looked over and your daughter and wife aren't crying and you were surprised by your soul? Like, why am I crying right now? Like, I'm just surprised at how emotional you've gotten. Uh, this past Christmas, I was surprised by my soul when I looked over at my children, and I'm interacting with my, my seven-year-old, and I had this moment where I realized that there's a stage in me and my wife's life that is over forever, and it's this like little kid stage. And I'm watching this moment play out, and I'm seeing this fierce independence come in my children. Like this, this independence, and it's like the American spirit. It's like, get a car and drive, like independence. Like, get out of my house and get a job. Like, this, is, this independence that comes with maturity, that as they begin to mature, the more independent they get. I'm like walking with my son, and he's like, you don't need to hold my hand. And I'm like, ha, Okay, okay. And I'm like, he's like, I'm thirsty. I'm like, I'll go get it. And he's like, I got it. And I'm like, oh. And part of me likes it, but then there's another part of me is like, I kind of liked making him his chocolate milk. Like the, the first two, it's like, get your own. But for the third one, it's like, you know, no, I'll get it for you. Like, you know, because you know it's over after this one. Uh, until grandkids. Uh, and so you're in the stage where you're you're looking at all these types of things and you see this independence, like, no, no, dad. I'll put the Lego set together. And it's like, you're doing it all wrong, though. That doesn't go right there. It goes right here. And it's like, are these your Legos or did you give them for me for Christmas? It's like, okay, fine. You do it however you want to do it. Because in America, especially, we value independence so much that the more mature we get, the more independent we get. And so maturity and independence go hand in hand. And in one sense, it's a beautiful thing. Like, I'm so thankful I'm out of the diaper stage and my kids have gotten so independent, I don't have to wipe their rear end anymore. Like, that's a blessing. Like that, right? Anybody else out of the diapers? Is anybody in the diaper stage? Just, let's pray for our brothers and sisters here. Like, like I, I enjoy, like, this independence. And then, you know, I remember when our niece lived with us and she started to learn how to drive and got a license, which is freedom, uh, at least in their minds, until they realize you have to pay gas. Uh, you, you think you can go wherever you want to go, and then you run out of gas. Like, oh, okay, it's not as free as I thought it was. But anyway, I can remember, you know, that independence where it's like, oh, someone else can go get the milk. So independence is valued so much, and it's viewed as a sign of maturity, Spiritually speaking, it is the complete opposite. The more spiritual you are, the more dependent you become. 
So you can tell how spiritual you are by how often you depend on God. A prayerless life is a prideful life. If I got up here without praying for this service, what I'm telling God is I can do this without you. I'll study enough, I will be disciplined enough, I will try to be funny enough to do this without you. But if I pray, what I'm saying is I'm humbly coming to God and saying, God, I need you. When you, you pray, it's, it's really this, this place where you are humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, and you're making this decision to say, God, I need you to intervene here. If you have the meeting without praying for the meeting, you said to God without saying it, God, I don't need you in the meeting. If you're training children without praying for your children, what you're saying, God, is I can train these children without you. Uh, if I'm trying to do marriage without praying for my marriage, it's like, it's okay, God, I've got this marriage thing together. But if I'm praying, what I'm saying is, God, I understand that prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference, and what I want right now, God, is for you to have your way in the lives of these children. Have your way in my marriage right now. Have your way in this service right now. Prayer uh, is uh, an act of humility. And I, I feel as if, as a nation, and I feel as if, uh, as a people, there is this clarion call going out in the earth, and definitely in our church, for us to humble ourselves and to bring ourselves into a place of prayer and fasting, to, to humble ourselves where we are giving God time, where we are emptying the natural and filling our lives up with the spiritual. Uh, as a pastor, people send me things all the time, uh, and when I say things, I mean like notes or uh, words or invitations, or, and sometimes pies. I'm thankful for the people who send pies. <laughs> uh, don't do it in the fast, please. Uh, but, but, but no, like, it, it, people send me things all the time, and a lot of times I'll get like a word or like a minister will share with me something they had on their heart, and this one particular one I got around Christmas time resonated with me so much that I wanted to share it with you because I really do believe that it is a prophetic word. And when I say prophetic, I just mean something that God is breathing uh, into us and is a word for this season. So here, I'll show it to you. They'll put it up on the, the screen. Think it not strange that when something of the Spirit is birthed in the earth, it is our Father's nature to hide it away until the fullness of time. That there's a time for it to come forth, but until it's time for it to come forth, it needs to be hidden away. In the secret place of waiting, incubating, the plan is matured, protected, and perfected until the time of its revealing comes forth. Our Father's most precious work takes place in a place where no one else can see it. Our Father's work takes place in a place no one can see. He takes great pleasure in the humility of the hidden. Then in his perfect timing, the unassuming, unseen unfolds, and his divine hand is displayed upon our destiny, 
This magnificent season, a revealing of Christ, is coming to its fullness. Now, I want you to notice this. His divine hand is displayed upon our destiny. Now, everyone watching, everyone at Heiko, everyone at Lakeland, understand this. You have a destiny. There is something you were sent here by God to do, something you're supposed to accomplish. And all of us, if we will ever get still enough, we will sense a call for destiny and a call for the manifestation of that destiny. But it's not until his divine hand gets on it that that destiny is revealed. And, and I, really, I really feel this in my, my heart and in my soul uh, that we're coming to a place where God wants to do more revealing of his destiny, where there is a divine hand coming on the lives of people and ushering them into a rapid acceleration that moves them over into the plan of God that God has for them. But I, I really feel like we're not quite at that season yet, but that season is on the forefront of time for everyone who will understand the season that they're in and go into the humility of hiding. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 6, they'll put this up on the screen. I want you to see something. In Matthew 6, notice our Lord Jesus talking. He says this, that when you give your alms, uh, this is your giving to the poor, he says that you do it in secret. And your Father which seeth thee in secret himself shall reward you openly. So God is looking at your secret life to determine what he can do with your public one. And if you go into that place of hiding, it equals a great unveiling. But if you don't get the hiding, you never get the unveiling because your secret life matters to God. Can I ask you, how's your secret life? That other life that no one else sees, the secret life, God says, Jesus said, I look at the secret to see what I can do with the public. Now, this was not like a one-off statement. He keeps going here. Next time in the book of Matthew, Matthew 6 and verse 6, it says this, But thou, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. And then it says it again in verse 18 when he talks about fasting. He says, and when you, you, you fast, don't appear unto men to fast, but unto your Father which is in secret, and your Father which seeth in secret. How many of you know God knows what I do in secret? That the eyes of the Lord run through the whole earth and can see into a bedroom. Come on, right? It can see into a bathroom. It can see into a car. It can see into a living room. It can see into a soul. The eyes of the Lord run over the whole earth. And your Father which seeth in secret, notice, shall reward you openly. So the reward that he gives, it's not like a secret reward that like God just so rewarded me that only me and him can see it. It's your profiting appears to all, to, to take word from Timothy, that, that all of a sudden your life takes on a reward that other people can see. And I think the reward that, that God is giving his people is not just like a car people can see or a house people can see. It's so funny how carnal we can get as Christians. I, I think the biggest reward that God will, will show to the world is a different face on you. 
that there is, it's not just like my social status got raised. It's like, I am a different person. I am free. There is nothing dysfunctioning in my life. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And now openly, everybody can see it. Openly, everyone can see that God has done a work in me. Well, how do I get this open reward? I get this open reward from my secret life. And if I'm not willing to go into this place of, the, the, of humble hiding, and if I'm not willing to go into this place of, of just diligently coming into a place of a, a deeper surrender, then I'll never be able to walk in that public reward. And I want to encourage you to bend your knee to Christ. I look at like the, the, the people and men and women in Scripture that God used, and I'll close with this, but you, you see like God come to Abraham, and he's like, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to promote you, but before that promotion, I need some devotion. I want you to leave all that's comfortable. I want you to separate from this land. I want you to separate from these people, and I want you to go into a place where I will show you. And you see, Abraham had this devotion, but it wasn't a full devotion. He had a little tag along in Lot, and Lot comes with him. You remember the story, Lot comes with him, because like he doesn't want to let go of Lot. He loves Lot, and Lot comes with him. And remember, before God can bring that promotion, God must have that devotion. And so God's trying to lead him into this place of devotion, and he gets it a little, but there's still a lot, <laughs> a lot that is hanging on. And as long as Lot was in his life, there was dysfunction. There's fighting. There's all of these things. In the secret life, Abraham doesn't want to let go of Lot. He loved the distraction. But it got so dysfunctional that finally Abraham said, I can't take the dysfunction any longer. I'm not going to function in this dysfunction. Lot, it is time for us to separate. He said, I love you enough. You, you take whatever you want. I'll let you pick first. You take the cattle that you want. You take the land that you want. And, of course, Lot looks the best and takes it. And as soon as Lot exits Abraham's life, God speaks to him and says, now, the Bible says this, after Lot had separated from him, God turns to Abraham and says, in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. Lift up your eyes from the place where you are now, and everything that you see, I will give it to you. My father, when he, he, before he passed, a week or two weeks before he passed, he made one journal entry. It's the only journal entry he made in his life. My wife, uh, for uh, a gift for me uh, in 2020, uh, had that, that journal entry uh, drawn by an artist uh, and has it where I can frame it. It's one of the best gifts anyone could ever give me. It's, it's just words of wisdom that continually speak to me. But one of the things he wrote in the journal was this in reference to that story. He said, it's the lots in life that keep us from the big things of God. 
And it's amazing, like I think so many people in here, if you asked them, you said, you want God to do something big for you. You want God to do something big in your family. You want God to do something big for your church. You want God to do something big in our community. You want God to be, do something big in, in your, your nation. You want God to do something big. The resounding answer would be, yes, we want to see promotion. And yes, we want to see revival. And yes, we want to see God do something big. But it's the lots in life that keep us from the big things of God. It's the distractions that we love. It's the things that take us away from God. It's the things that Moses is on a hill uh, experiencing God and people are down here. Who are the people of God? Building an idol of gold that they can worship. Basing their life around gold. Basing their life around this. And out of this, they're circling the same mountain. And I believe so strongly in my heart, if you will, even prophetically, that in heaven, what do the angels circle? They circle the throne of God, and with each passing, the Bible says, they see something about God that they did not see before. All of heaven right now, it revolves around the Son of the living God, that the entire universe revolves around the Son of the living God, and His splendor and His wonder and His majesty are just circled by the angels of heaven. And I sense that if you and I could make our lives circle the throne of God and circle a loving Jesus and circle his majesty and explore his word and look for something different today, and I'm going to get in the book of Psalms and I'm going to look for something different today, and I'm going to get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm going to look at something different today, and I'm going to turn off some notifications, I'm going to delete some apps, and I'm going to get in the Bible, I'm going to look for something different today, and I'm going to get on my knees, I'm going to look for something different today, and when I come to church, I'm not just going to sing, I'm going to get in worship, and I'm going to expect God to show me something different today. That as we begin to press into God and circle God, I believe God is going to be a, bring a release that's going to enable us to not keep circling the same mountain and get over into the promised land that God has for each and every one of us. That if we will circle God, we will stop circling the mountain and we will get into God's best. Amen. And I want to invite you, circle God with us. I want to invite you to just come and dive into God and in this season look for something in God. In this season, open up your life like the, the, the men and women of old and say, God, here I am, speak to me. Like I need, I need to know what you want me to do. I need to know what steps you want me to take. That you exchange the digital for something real. That you place the phone away, you turn the phone off. 80% of Americans sleep with their phone right next to them, and the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is check with it. I gotta check the app, I gotta read the news, I gotta see the updates, I gotta get on Facebook, I need to see if I gotta like on Instagram, and we keep checking and checking and checking, and I wonder if we would just wake up to God and say, God, you know what, I'm done with this phone. I thank you, Lord, your mercy is brand new today, let me explore it. God, I wanna meet with you, God, I want to encounter you, and if it means I have to fast this for a season, so be it. Because fasting is not dieting. Nothing wrong with dieting. Nothing wrong with saying in this season I'm only going to eat fruits and vegetables. Nothing wrong with that, but fasting is not dieting. Fasting is fixing our focus. 
It's my life has been circling everything but God. It's been circling all these other things, and maybe these things need to be fixed, but you know how they're going to be fixed? It's not going to be fixed by might, and it's not going to be fixed by power. It's going to be fixed by the almighty spirit of God and a river of life that is flowing from me and you to that situation. Fasting is fixing our focus and saying, God, for the next 21 days, I want a life focused on you. For the next 21 days, I want to eliminate as much natural things from my life so I can be filled with the Spirit. That I don't want to be filled with news anymore. I don't want to be filled with Facebook anymore. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want a flesh frame, a fire above my head. I want God to do something in me. And if it means something has to burn so an impurity can come out, so be it. You refine with the fire. I want to be consumed. And I want to encourage you to bring your life to that place. As a church, we're going to help you with this. For the next 21 days, you'll have the option at either one of our campuses to come 6 through 9 o'clock and pray with us corporately. You can join us online at thelife.cc and pray with us corporately there. There'll be prayer hosts. Now, tomorrow, I heard there might be snow and, like, some icy weather accumulating. So this is going to start on Tuesday, not tomorrow. Okay, so you can do it at home, watch online with the prayer host. But physically, I want you safe, and I don't want you driving on icy roads early in the morning and all those types of things. So it'll start on Tuesday. Also, every day on the life.cc, there'll be a new devotional to kind of walk you through Scripture and hopefully help you see something new in God. But I I really see if you will circle God like those angels circle the throne of God and look for something different in Scripture and worship. Look for something different in prayer. Shake up your routine. Bust your box and begin to circle God. That out of that, a release will come and you'll stop circling that same mountain you've been circling for 40 years but have seen no progress. And God's saying, it's time for your promised land. It's time for you to walk in this promotion. But I can't get the promotion without the devotion. But if I walk in that devotion, if I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift me up in due time. In the right season, he will lift me up. And I'm telling you, the seasons are about to change. I'm not saying next week. I'm not saying next month. But I sense a shifting and a breaking from one season to the other. And in that next season, it is a season of the unveiling spirit of God upon us, upon you, upon our church, upon our nation. And in this season of hiding we're going to let die whatever needs to die and get rid of anything that needs to come out but in this next season for those of us who do we're going to see an unveiling of the spirit of God of God's hand divinely touching our destiny in ways we have never seen before how many of you believe it church come on come on come on how many of you believe it amen I do too let me pray for you father we come before you today and we thank you You're refined with fire, and we want to be consumed. And Father, I just thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl at all of our campuses today, that your Holy Spirit would just come and arrest our heart and show us anything in our life that is our lot, anything in our life that that we need to let go of, anything in our life that has taken a place that only you should have. 
Now, at all of our campuses right now, at Highland Colony, here at Lakeland, online, I'd like everyone right there where you're sitting to just lift up your hands. And, and Father, as we surrender today, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit meets us in a fresh and new way. Speak to our heart anything we need to address in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Allow us to be wholly filled and flooded with you. Anything in my life that I need to let go of, anything in my life that's become a lot in my life, Father, we just want to surrender it to you. At our Highland Colony campus, I'm going to ask Pastor Ryan to come up and do an altar call here at our Lakeland campus. I know we have many different people from all different walks of life, and many of you have been in church. Some of you have been out of church. But if you're here today and you say, I want to give Jesus my heart today, maybe it is for the first time or maybe it's to rededicate your life, but you're here and you say, God, you know what? I want to go into a time of hiding. I want to come into a time where I come into Christ. And I've been trying to do it without you and it hasn't worked out well. And today I want to humble myself before you. Now, maybe this is for the first time, or maybe it's for you the 1,000th time that you've made this type of decision, but if you're here and that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to do something. No one's looking. No one's looking around. This is not for us. This is for you and God. I want you to do something. Would you just lift your hand up all over this place? Hands going up. Amazing, amazing. In the balcony, hands going up. In the back, in the front, hands going up everywhere. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Now, everybody in here, whether you have your hand raised or not, everybody in here, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that in spite of my imperfections, my mistakes, and my mess-ups, you love me, and you will not quit me, and I will not quit you. I will not quit you, Lord, and I will not quit myself. Jesus, take my life, mold my life, shape my life into what you want it to be. You're the potter, I'm the clay, and I simply, Lord, give you my life. I say, Father, in Jesus' name, my best days my brightest days, my freest days, start right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give it up for everybody?